almost lost the cup and you win it. The new European champions, the treble, the dream come true for you. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 29 of the Golden Boot Podcast. I'm Chris Williams. And I'm JP Rios. And we are back. Well, not back. This is the first time we talk about Copa America. So back with international football. Starting with Copa America, slightly late because it is the quarterfinals. However, that does not matter because we are going to give you a comprehensive breakdown of everything that's happened. And by comprehensive, I mean, I don't comprehend anything and I've watched most of the games. So let's get right into it. Chris, what do you think of the Copa America? So um, I'm starting to get into, you know, South American football and, you know, trying to follow Comfortable. So um, I've watched the games that I can watch because, you know, the Euros are played during the day when I'm not at work or if I'm at work, they're televised um, in the restaurant that I work in. But the Copa America, on the other hand, played at night. Um, and if I'm in a restaurant at, at night working, it's really busy. Um, so they don't have the games on the TVs and uh, I'm not home to watch it. So the games I have watched, um, you know, I haven't been impressed um you know it's definitely not like the euros you know with like the quality of football but um you know i'm mainly watching to see if messi can win something with argentina um i think that'll be fun and i'm mainly watching to see you know how brazil does as well but um yeah you know trying to get into it yeah just trying to get into it my, my best my favorite experience so far about uh copa america is that I was in Miami last week, two weeks ago, and I watched Argentina versus Uruguay in a Argentinian bar with probably like 200 other Argentinians and they were going crazy. Um, so that was a fun experience when, when they won one nothing. Wasn't the best game, but the atmosphere, that's what matters. Fans make football. Okay, I'm rambling now. <laughs> it's going over to you. <laughs> so as you know, as you may be surprised, and as I said in the last episode, they are in fact playing the same uh, sport that is being played in the Euros, believe it or not. I also find it hard to believe. <laughs> I was talking with a friend of mine who's from Argentina, and he was just like just trash talking the entire tournament. He's like, you see the Euros are playing on these like super nice pitches, super nice fields. You see the ones in um in Conmebol in Brazil, there's like holes everywhere. There's just bumps on the field. And it's been a mess, even in terms of organization, like it was originally going to be in Colombia and Argentina. And then, I mean, for obvious reasons, you know, uh, Argentina is really going down with COVID and then Colombia's just going to revolution and not going into revolution. But there's a lot of like social violence, like uncertainty. There's violence on the streets and stuff like that. So obviously you're going to move it. You're not going to play it either of those countries. So why not change it to Brazil, who not only has large amounts of COVID, but is also going through a lot of like social and political problems. Why not? Greatest thing to ever happen to mankind. Like yeah, it's, and then even the Brazil players didn't want it to be played. They said no, and then Bolsonaro was president of Brazil, but like, yes, it's happening whether you like it or not. So it's been a mess. And even the way it's organized, there's no like um, invited like teams. So I think Australia and Qatar were invited. At the end of the day, two groups of five, four, you know, four teams going through from each group. So it's even like there's basically no competition. Could you could win one single game and you're through? 
which obviously throws Venezuela and Bolivia under the bus, who are the two teams that ended up in fifth place, which, if you watch Conmebol, is to the surprise of absolutely no one. Yeah. I mean... Argentina, uh, you know... You you froze for a little bit. Um, So if you want to restart from like 10 seconds ago, if you remember what you were saying. Bolivia? Yeah. And Bolivia, I mean, Bolivia and Venezuela, you really don't need to know much about Conmebol to know they're not the biggest powerhouses in the nation. I think Venezuela at one point was playing with like, you know, like 16 players, something like that on their squad. So it's been controversial at best. But, I mean, Argentina, Argentina and Brazil, both with 10 points, you know, having tied one game, won the rest. Uh, second place, Uruguay in Group A with Argentina, you know, seven points, and then Paraguay and Chile with six and five. Uh, I mean, there's been some good games there. You know, Chile against Argentina was an incredible match. Messi scored an absolutely, like, beautiful free kick, and then Chile off a penalty, keeper saves it, and then off the rebound. And then, you know, on the other side, Brazil, Peru, and that order, and then Colombia and Ecuador. It's been, like, tips, like... (sighs) Highs and lows you got because they're also coming from like uh, World Cup qualifiers, so you have like pretty much a lot of Conmebol happening like really quickly. Um, but as of now, like the games, some games have been fine. I think Peru is a little bit surprising to me to be above Colombia, even though you know Colombia haven't been the best. They had decent qualifiers, so that's the surprise for me of the tournament. Chile ending up in fourth, not surprising. Ecuador in fourth, not surprising. But out of the ones you've been able to see, what what's your opinion so far? Not of the conditions, not of like the style of football, but the games itself. Yeah, well, um, actually, um, the thing that I um, have noticed the most is that the camera quality for the Copa America games is absolutely terrible. <laughs> but um, Anyway, um, yeah, so what's been, like, the biggest surprise to me um, is that I didn't know how good uh, Paraguay was, to be honest with you. Um, I watched a few of their matches, um, you know, just parks here and there. And, um, I mean, they've only won one game uh, during this and, and so forth. But, um, no, no, they haven't. I'm looking at the wrong things. But, um, yeah, they won two. But, um, you know, I watched the game against Chile. And, uh, you know, on paper, you just expect Chile to be the better team. But um, I was very impressed with how well that Paraguay played. I mean, they have Almiron, who is uh, Will Dean's favorite footballer of all time. You know, Atlanta represent, if you know Will Dean. Um, He's a friend of the podcast, friend of the show. Uh, big Atlanta guy and big Almiron guy. But no, um, I've been fairly impressed with Paraguay. And, um, you know, the team I've watched the most is obviously Argentina. And, uh, you know, the last game that they played, I mean, it was just a clinic. Uh, to be fair, they were playing Bolivia. But, you know, it was just a clinic, an absolute clinic. Um, and it, it's fun to see Messi, you know, just dribble through players and do his thing. That's always fun for me. But um, 
I also find it shocking that you don't even have to win a game to qualify for the uh, quarterfinals. I mean, Ecuador is drew three games and lost one is in the quarterfinals. But no, uh, the team that's definitely surprised me the most is Paraguay. It would probably be Peru if I've watched any Peru games, um, but I haven't. I mean, I think I watched one, but like bits and pieces, I wasn't really paying attention. So yeah, Paraguay for me. Yeah, I think, I mean, Paraguay definitely, the re- one of the reasons I want Paraguay to do well is because two of their players play for San Lorenzo in Argentina. They're uh, twins. So, you know, obviously want to see them do well. But, you know, for me, here's the thing. A lot of people said it, you know, a lot of Argentinians and other people in uh, South America said the moment the tournament was given, you know, the hosting was changed to Brazil. A lot of people were saying, why don't you just give Brazil the tournament at this point? Just give them the cup. Just We don't have to do this anymore. Because in 2019, there's a lot of moments in that tournament that were like called out like question for like corruption there's i think it's a game between chile and brazil and argentina i'm pretty sure one of or a game for brazil that they they have to go to var and apparently the referee's saying like oh var's not working we're not getting the signal just casually like we're not being able and there's a lot of controversial calls and stuff like that so Obviously, there's a lot of animosity between, like, you know, South American teams. But as of late, there's been a lot of, you know, controversy surrounding Brazil. And more like they nobody wanted to play in Brazil. Brazil didn't even want to play the tournament. And now apparently, you know, they're at top of the group. And to be fair, their group is Peru, Colombia, Ecuador, and Venezuela. Colombia, who's been not the, on their best form. But to be fair, in a game against Brazil, I am going to bring this in. I brought it up to you before. The referee, uh, Pitana, who is from Argentina, he's decently well-known referee, if you know some referees. he's uh, He was the referee in the World Cup Final 2018. And he's also he also refereed the Denmark-Croatia game, where he was talking to both teams in Spanish, which is absolutely beautiful to see. To be fair, it was Luka Modric and I forget who the other guy was. So they probably did speak some Spanish, at least Modric did, but it was so funny to watch. I was losing my mind watching that. But yeah, independently, I think, I mean, sorry, not independently. It was about that game, Colombia Brazil. Um, so Colombia started winning the game. And then the Brazil's tying goal comes off like, they try to cross for shoot, and the ball's just going out. Hits Pitana. So the ball should have stopped there. The game, like, shows dropped, gone to either Brazil or Colombia, but the game needed to, like, stop for a second there. Pitana lets it go. Brazil gets another cross in, and they score from that. That's the tying goal. So everybody's complaining. Even, you know, Conmebol had to release statements, like, in the VAR, the actual, like, recordings of what was, like, being said. And I think they sanctioned one of the players for complaining. There was like blatant, like cheating stuff like that, which never looks good on Conmebol because a lot of players complain. And the first thing they do is like sanction them, and I'm like, it's never going to look good. I don't understand why you keep doing it. It's not the first time it's happened. And then the referee has like ten minutes or so, and then that's when Brazil wins the game. So controversial, still going to there. I think Argentina and Brazil right now, obviously, are seem to be you know the favorites to win this and they're obviously they could meet in the final 
but as it stands, I think, well, let's go right to the quarterfinals. We've talked a lot at the group stage. We've already said how complicated it is and how, you know, weird it is. And so the first game is going to be Peru against Paraguay, which for you was, you know, the surprise of the tournament with Paraguay. I do see, I could see Paraguay do well, but I think Peru is going to take it just because they've been doing better in the tournament. Yeah. And they've, they've had to face teams, you know, like Colombia, like Ecuador, who can be very tough to beat. And, I mean, obviously they have one of the best goalies, you know, in South America, Pedro Ayese, played in Mexico, right now plays in Orlando. Obviously not the same CV as some other goalies on this on the tournament, but he's an incredibly, very, like, an incredibly talented goalie. I think that can be, like, a difference maker. More in Conmebol, where the game can go anywhere. So, for me, it's going to be Peru. Yeah, um, I also agree with that. I mean, Paraguay had to play, you know, Argentina, Uruguay, and Chile in the group stage, you know, which is never easy as well. But, you know, lost Argentina narrowly, I might say, 1-0. Beat Chile, but, uh, I mean, we didn't really talk too much about Chile, but they just haven't been impressive. You know, that team should be good, but they're not. Um, You know, Uruguay winning... Um, I think Cavani scored the penalty. So good on you, sir. Making me proud. But um, yeah, uh, I do think Peru will go through. Um, they've had the better results. They've had to, you know, beat teams like Colombia, um, like Ecuador. And I just do think that uh, they'll be stronger in this match going forward. And, um, you know, I just think these matchups in the quarterfinal probably couldn't get much better um you know they have our two surprise teams of the tournament in one match and then you know brazil chile uh, uruguay colombia and argentina and ecuador i mean those are just very very exciting matches and um it'll make a neutral like me want to watch the games so uh very excited but yeah i think Peru will take this one yeah and then i'm i'm just looking at schedule right now and i just i comes to mind how disorganized this so there's two games tomorrow and then there's two games on saturday for some reason just skip a full full day on friday i don't understand i i love this tournament um brazil against chile i here's the thing chile after you know when was it 2016 when they won the copa america and they scored seven past mexico yeah that's that, that happened right um they didn't qualify to the world cup so take that if you beat us and we get mad happened to the Netherlands, happened to Chile. You don't make it to the World Cup. So keep that in mind, you know, if you if the U.S. wants to keep celebrating a league, a Nations League tournament. Um, we will. This one, Thank you. This one's, you're welcome. This one's one of the easiest for me, I think. Barring all the controversy, Chile has not played their best. Brazil are playing well. I, I Looking at this, this one, the, the Argentina might be a little bit tighter. This one for me is the easiest to call. Brazil go through. I'm not surprised if it's like an absolute route. Yeah, easiest for me to call as well. I've watched both of these teams in the tournament. Um, Chile are just so bad. And, in, and Brazil is Brazil. They are the team to beat in this tournament. And yeah, I, I, I would even be surprised. Oh, no, I wouldn't be surprised even if it's a shutout for Brazil. 
Um, I just think it's going to be that dominant of a performance from them. And yeah, Chile is because they're going to go home and I don't know what this means for them going forward. You know, their golden era is coming to an end and it wasn't really that golden um, besides, you know, sort of one, one tournament, maybe two. Yeah, I mean, that... I mean, here's the thing. A lot of teams and going like outside of Comebol, like, for example, Germany had, you know, the golden generation 2014 had very good players. Went to a little bit of a slump and now have like, you know, another generation of players are coming in. England as well and like Italy as well. And it's happening around even Spain, who we've said is lackluster, has some players coming in. Even Mexico has new players. The U.S. has new players coming in. Chile has absolutely nothing. And you're like, oh, they won one game. Well, you beat Bolivia. I'm sorry to like to break it to you. Bolivia's never had a golden generation. Because <laughs> there's nothing coming out of Bolivia, not to be mean. Football-wise, there's there's nothing. To to be fair, one of my club coaches played for Bolivia. <laughs> so um yeah, go Bolivia. Go Javier I mean, Javier I mean, Rodriguez. He was yes. on the cover. Well, not not the cover FIFA, but he was in FIFA. One of the, to be, one of the early ones. To be fair, that's nothing against him. He probably deserved to be playing professionally. However, as the national team, Bolivia is not going to go anywhere in you know in time being, unless they play every single game in La Paz. Then everybody else is screwed because the altitude there kills every single team. That's how they beat Argentina six one. But yeah, I mean Chile. <laughs> Against Brazil, that's the easiest to call. <laughs> but now we go to, for me, what is the absolute hardest to call? Uruguay against Colombia. You know, both teams, teams that I like, to be fair, um, Uruguay, Uruguay, you know, Cavani, and the main reason I want them to, I want them or Colombia to win it. So <laughs> putting both of them in the quarterfinals kind of like makes me mad. But obviously, they didn't just deliberately put them there. They got there because of their position. But that's why I wanted Colombia to win against Brazil. So they would be higher up on this list. But, you know, Uruguay, Cavani, uh, the love of my life, my beating heart, Cabecita Rodriguez, starting striker for Cruz Azul, who scored the game winner to give us our ninth title. I will never shut up about that. Um and Uruguay are a very hard team to beat, like, independently. Simply the way they play, you know, La Garra Charrua, not only, like, their, you know, their name, their nickname, but it's just how they play. You know, every single game they play like it's their last. They're on every single ball. And besides just how they play and, like, their approach to the game, I mean, Edinson Cavani, Luis Suarez, Fernando Muslera, who at this point has been there for, like, God knows how long. You know, Diego Godin, I mean, obviously Cabecita's there, but Federico Valverde, Chema Rodriguez, Betancourt, like, Torreira, these are, like, this is a scary starting lineup. And that's not, like, all of them are starting, but it's a scary lineup in itself. And you're going against a team in Colombia who also have very good players who, let to be fair, have not been, you know, on the best form as of late, but they still have like decently good players. You got Zapata, you got Muriel, you got Borre, you got Cuadrado, you know, Davinson Sanchez, Uribe Barrios, Ospina and Goal, and, you know, Jerry Mina, who might still, you know, haunt your dreams from time to time. 
after he equalized in the last minute. Um, but they have a very good team as well. And I'm literally just going to bring this down to like current form in the last few matches. And I'm going to have to give it, you know, to Uruguay. I think Uruguay is going to win it. This might be the toughest one yet because both teams could just pull it out in the last minute of the game. They could literally just go nil-nil and the 90th minute just do like score. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, but I'm going to put my money in your way. For me, this one's the toughest yet, but I'm just going to do that as a, you know, to be safe. You and I are agreeing a lot today between yours predictions and these. Um, you know, that, it, doesn't, it usually doesn't scary. Happen. Yeah, it yeah, usually doesn't scary. happen. And it's not like we disagree on everything. It's just sometimes we just have different predictions when it comes to games. But um, no, I, I think that Uruguay is going to is gonna frustrate um, this Colombian team. This isn't the Colombian team, you know, from the 2014 World Cup where Homes Rodriguez was like a breakout star and David Luiz, not David Luiz, um, what was I talking about? Um, you know, that, that made it to... Uh, pretty far in the World Cup, and then David Luiz scored that free kick. That's what I was going to say. That's why he was in my mind. But, um, yeah, and it's not the same team from the 2018 World Cup, you know, that took England to penalties. Um, it, it's just – it's not that team. Um, and, yeah, I mean, just looking at Uruguay's past matches in the Copa America, like, all of the games have been close because they're that frustrating to play against. Like, that Argentina-Uruguay game that I watched – it was frustrating. Like I wanted Argentina to win simply because I was around so many Argentinians. Whenever Cavani got the ball, I would cheer and my friend would like nudge me to like shut up because, you know, I was in Argentinian territory and um, I shouldn't be doing that. <clears throat> but, um, you know, like you said, you go through the players on this Uruguay team, uh, you know, you got Cavani, you got Suarez, you have so many, so many good players. Diego Godin, obviously, a rock in the back. Um, I just think that they have what it takes um, to advance to the semifinals. Um, yeah, it, it unfortunate for Colombia. It's not the same team. Um, I don't, I'm not going to compare them to Spain because they're, they're not Spain. But it's kind of like the same situation. Like, they're both very good teams in, a, you know, on in different tournaments, you know, in earlier years, I'd say Colombia takes this. But, um, yeah, this year with this team, I think Uruguay goes through. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it makes sense. And now we're going to go to another one of the easy ones in my mind. I, Argentina against Ecuador. Ecuador, not the worst team, but again, you know, they barely, they only made it through because of how, you know, the whole system is placed for this tournament. Anywhere else, they would have been kicked out, like, in seconds. And they're going against an Argentina side who, similar to what I said about, you know, Brazil, they're playing really well. That's the same thing, you know. But if we're just talking about players on the field, and to be fair, sometimes they can make mistakes. In Argentina, at times, have just been frustrating to watch because they have all this star power and they just don't do anything with it. And sometimes they still do rely too much on, on Messi, which makes sense, but at the same time is bad when, you know, just the starting lineup against Bolivia, and this wasn't even their, start, like their strongest starting lineup. It was pretty close to it, but not, you know, 
they didn't want to risk everybody. But I mean, you have Armani. Okay, so in goal might be controversial who is going to start because Armani is a good goalie, Marchesino is a good goalie. But I think moving forward, they're going to leave. Um, what's his name? I always forget. Uh, oh God, <laughs> he played for Arsenal. <laughs> Come on, we're still trying to remember. So Martin, yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I completely forgot. I was letting you struggle. Uh, thank you. Uh, I really did struggle. I was looking at the full list. I was like, I'm pretty sure he's – I can't find him right now. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure going forward they're going to start Martinez and goal, which, you know, to be fair, it's probably what they should be doing. But, you know, just listen at this. you got Montiel, who is an amazing player. Lisandro Martinez, you got – Palacios, who for some reason is still playing. Uh, Correa, Papu Gomez, who has been... They started him twice, and he scored twice in those two games. He played extremely well for Atalanta, left to Sevilla, played well for Sevilla, showing he can do it in the international stage. And Sergio Aguero, Leo Messi, I mean, you got... And you have Tagliafico, you got, you know, Los Celso, you got Tamendi, who also for some reason is still playing, and is probably older than both of us combined. You got Lautaro Martinez as well. So they've just like oozing with ability, oozing with talent. Just wouldn't be surprised if, you know, again, same with Brazil. They end up just being a complete and absolute route. I think the way it's setting up to be is Argentina against Brazil in the final, which I don't think anybody would be mad about at all. But I'm still going to hold on to I want Uruguay to win, so... Cabecita Rodriguez wins another trophy besides the league title with Cruz. I once again agree with everything you said, and I, I don't think there's much else that I have to say about this game. Um, I, I do think it'll be an absolute route. Um, one player that um, I want to point out, uh, Rodrigo De Paul, he has played well um, throughout the tournament. Um, I didn't know much about him until I watched uh, Argentina play, and I was fairly impressed. But yeah, there's just so much talent on this team on the bench and in the starting lineup that it is frustrating watching them sometimes because they just don't find a way to play well together. And I just, I don't understand it. I've never understood it. I've watched Argentina for many years and I just, I just never understand it. It's an enigma. Like they should be so good yet. They're not. Um, but you know, against Ecuador, it's definitely going to be a route. Um, and I do think it's going to be a Brazil uh, Argentina final. I'm pretty sure everyone's going to predict that. Um, I would love to see Uruguay win. I would love Eddie Cavani to win uh, a trophy. Um, so, yeah, that, that's my predictions. But, um, you know, not not completely off topic, but I think, and, I, and I've told you this before, I think to make this competition better, that the Copa America should um, extend to include CONCACAF nations. So then you have the CONCACAF teams playing the Comunabal teams and, you know, you have uh, Mexico and you have the U.S. in that mix as well. And it just makes for a much more exciting tournament. Um, yeah, what, what would be your thoughts on that? I doubt it's going to happen, but what are your thoughts? I mean, to be fair, for a while, it's technically kind of exciting because, you know, they invited countries and they usually would invite the U.S. and Mexico. And then some ra- like random country. But 
<laughs> it's a similar situation. I mean, okay, so it's a little bit different when we're talking about Mexican teams playing uh, Libertadores. The main reason they didn't like that is because a lot of teams were complaining that they had to fly like 10 hours to get to Mexico City. And they're like, and we have to fly 10 hours to every single other game. Like, we don't understand what the issue is. But it's also different because what Mexico would always do was prioritize the Gold Cup and prioritize like CONCACAF tournaments. Because at the end of the day, you know, leagues like Nations League aside, Mexico's still like, the biggest team historically in CONCACAF. So they always have that money assured that we're going to, you know, win. And there's been calls from a lot of people in Mexico asking, you know, Mexico should join CONMEBOL if we want to have any chance to win a World Cup ever because then we'd actually have to be at the top of our game. We wouldn't be, like, playing against Trinidad and Tobago every three days and then being like, oh, we scored five. We're going to win the World Cup. We'd be, like, forced to, like, put all, like everything like corruption money and everything aside and be like if we want to win and not just like get fresh aside we actually need to pay attention do something better so you know what they always used to do is play like a second team in copa america so we'd get absolutely thrashed so many times because we're playing like our u23 teams against Lionel messi like i don't know what anybody else is especially going to happen so i do agree going to go back to that and start like invite us back and it would be beneficial for Mexico, but you know, for example, change the gold cup instead of every two years, make it every four years and make it at a date that doesn't collide with that. So we can actually send a full team and actually compete. So I don't think the issue would be as much trying to convince Conmebol. It would be trying to convince like the Mexican FA. Cause I think if you give the U S the option, they're going to be like fully on board. But a lot of it would be trying to convince Mexican FA to be like, actually take this seriously and actually do your job. Because Mexico has done well sometimes. Like they've gone to the final of, the, of Copa America, I'm not sure if twice, but at least once, like in recent years. So there's no reason why we wouldn't be able to see that in the near future. And also Mexico, no matter what tournament it is, brings so much money to whatever. Like they just flood the stadiums. I don't understand how. Russia filled. And I was looking at, I think it was the Champions League highlights the other day, and there's like five Mexican flags in the stadium. Like, we will flood it, and we will get you the money you want, but it's all about, because Conmebol and like a lot of South American nations are very, like, proud of their football, which, to be fair, they have a point. But Mexico also just <laughs> goes around, like, acting like, okay, we own the place because I don't know why. That's just us. So football-wise, if they take it seriously, we could see that. So it would just, you know, be convinced Mexico to stop, you know, doing st stupid stuff and playing against Panama and, like, Trinidad and Tobago. Go and play against Argentina. Go play against Brazil. A lot of people say, like, oh, they get thrashed. I don't think they would get thrashed if they played, like, to their top level. But it would force them to have to play top level every single game. So I would... I would be in favor, and I think going as guests in Copa America would be much closer to, you know, ever seeing Mexico and Conmebol or stuff like that. So I think, and I think, to be fair, it was mostly about COVID, why they didn't have guests. But why those guests were Australian guitar makes no sense whatsoever. So I think, yeah, I do agree. They should 
go back to CONCACAF, you know, try and get us all together and play, like, even if it's three or four teams. I mean, it would be a start to, you know, expanding the tournament and see where that goes. Yeah, I agree. And I just think it would make every team better, not just, you know, Mexico or the U.S. I think it would make every team better because when they play these big teams, your Brazils, your Argentinas, your Colombias, your Uruguays, um, you know, these teams are forced to show up. And, you know, speaking from a U.S. standpoint, like having to play Trinidad and Tobago all the time, like that's just not fun. <laughs> that's just that, that that it just isn't fun and i mean like we even lost to them <laughs> like um like that, that's the reason we didn't qualify for the last world cup um but you know now we're starting to see like this golden generation of u.s players you know we're going abroad we're playing you know we're we have players winning the champions league that's never happened before um so i think this is the next step that has to happen for the U.S. And these players will up their game. You saw it when they played against Mexico and the Nations League final. Both teams up their game and they played with so much passion and so much heart and desire to want to win for their countries. Um, that, yeah, so I just think, you know, you have the U.S. playing Brazil. Yeah, I do think the U.S. is going to lose. But I think they're going to put up a hell of a fight with the young players that they have right now. And it'll just make players want to play for the U.S. national team, um, you know, and, you know, represent their country and try to, you know, prove the world that they can beat these big boys. They can beat the Brazils, the Argentinas and, uh, you know, the Mexicos on not a daily basis, but, you know, in a, in a tournament regularly. Um, and, you know, same thing for Mexico. I think it'll do them uh, a world of good if they can, compete against these quality teams, um, you know, on a normal basis rather than having to wait for the World Cup because, you know, the Gold Cup isn't exciting. It's kind of like looking at Copa America and being like, oh, yeah, the two biggest teams here, Brazil and Argentina, which one's going to win it? You look at the Gold Cup, it's like, okay, is the U.S. going to win it or is Mexico going to win it? And that's just how it is. But I do think that it will do every team a world of good if we all come together, be one Big family, not one big happy family, um, but one big family. And we all compete in Copa America together. It'll be very exciting. Um, I don't know who we have to talk to to try to get that to happen. But, um, yeah, I just think that would be a very exciting, very exciting tournament to watch. I think you need uh, to put Shaka Hislop with um, probably Leo Messi and somebody else to try and organize this. And uh, Trinidad and Tobago back to the World Cup. But, yeah, I mean, it, that that would be very exciting to watch and very exciting to see. And I am just realizing there has been a Copa America hosted in Bolivia. God knows how they didn't win it with the altitude. But we ended up third place, by the way. But, yes, I do think that would be the best for, you know, Conmebol. I do think Copa America right now is shaping up to be a Brazil Argentina final, and um, there would be no lack of controversy, dirty tackles, fights, red cards, and everything we love to see in Conmebol because, you know, you got the beautiful game, you know, tiki-taka, nice little passes, and everything in, um, in the Euros, and then you got whatever is going on in the Gold Cup when that's 
played. I'm not 100% sure what's going on 90% of the time. And then you got beautiful studs up both feet to the chest for some reason in Conmebol. And that is, my friends were complaining about it. Like, that's why we love it. That's exactly why we watch it. <laughs> that is exactly why but, I watch it. Yes. That is my full <laughs> breakdown on Conmebol. And anybody who watches it cannot deny that's what happens every two days. It is. Never forget the first uh, Libertadores game that I watched with you. And I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> what is this? This to is be, not football. To be fair, you watched the final between uh, Boca Juniors and River Plate after not only had they like, moved to, like, to Madrid, but the reason was because the fans threw smoke grenades inside the bus. Like, don't forget that was the setting, okay? Like, I understand that was shocking. <laughs> you were complaining about what we were watching. I was like, yeah, that's football for you. That's football. And I think that's the proper way to end this episode. So thank you guys once again for listening. We hope you enjoyed. And, yeah, um, it's exciting to get some Comunable coverage on here, some Copa America. And, yeah, we're looking forward to a fun-filled, jam-packed weekend of football between the Euros and the Copa America. And we'll be back next week with uh, recaps of the quarterfinals of both tournaments. So in the meantime, enjoy the football, and we'll see you guys soon. I've been Chris Williams. And I'm JP Rios. Take care, guys, and we'll see you again soon. Yeah.